Welcome to today's episode of our Making History Parenting Podcast. We're excited to jump into another episode of our current series, When Family Looks Different. As you know, our goal for this Making History Podcast is to help parents make God's story come alive in the hearts of their children. And we hope that each episode will give you encouragement and a few parenting tips as you disciple your kids. Mm-hmm. And today we're so excited to introduce a family who's going to be telling us some of their adoptive story. So Dave and Katie Stiblo are partners at Rolling Hills, and they serve in a variety of ways. And they have three kids, Patrick, Taylor, and Will. Let's jump into the episode. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're so excited to have the Stylos joining us um, as we talk in this series about um, what what our families look like and talk about different family dynamics. So um, I'm just so thankful you guys are with yes. us today. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, let's start off with this way. Just tell us about your family unit. Who's in your family, names, ages? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a complex family. Uh, so besides Katie and me, we've got our oldest son, Patrick, who's 16, Taylor, who's 13. And, and those are the two children we'll be talking a little bit more about today who we adopted about six years ago, formally. Um, out of out of DCS care, and at that uh, we also have a six-year-old Will who's got some extra needs, and we also have my dad living with us who just turned seventy-nine. So we have a full house. Yeah, it's a full house. Yeah, yeah. So, like you said, we wanted to kind of dig into your story, especially looking with a focus on um, the adoptive side of your story, what makes your family unique and special. Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about that process? Sure. Um, When Dave and I were dating, we both realized that God had put adoption on both of our hearts. Mm -hmm. So that was a cool connection we had from the beginning. So that was when you were dating. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And so after getting married and then we met in New York City, moved back to Franklin and um, through kind of a series of God winks, starting with a um, preteen girl who needed an adoptive placement, and then a sermon that really spoke on caring for the orphans and um, to foster care and adoption, specifically adoption, we decided to start the DCS classes. And admittedly, Dave was like, sure, whatever God has for us in this. And I was a little more like, yes, but I know what God has for us. Um, I thought I knew how the plan would go. Uh Um, And so we took off on this um, path to take the classes towards adoption. And through that, learned about foster care, Mm -hmm. felt really drawn to go that direction. Um, We had just moved into a new home, had empty bedrooms and no other children in the home and thought, gosh, we've got all of these empty rooms and love to share. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. To elaborate on that, I think it's fun how God takes you down paths that you didn't think were going. So I think as, as Katie was starting to hint around there, she, there was a girl on the news named Madonna and she was really interested in wanting to um, pursue a Madonna and see if, if we could possibly you know be a placement for her. And the day that we heard the sermon, we were we were at church, and the sermon was just so powerful about taking care of the widows and orphans, mm-hmm. and it's just so fundamental. And they 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 mentioned how many times it's it's throughout the Bible, and 
by the time, you know, it was one of those sermons where, where it's a tearjerker and everybody wants to go adopt because yeah, it yeah. was such a moving statistic. And, and of course, um, when that was done, we looked at each other and just immediately knew, okay, we need to now really move forward and, and open up our home. And, and I think for Katie, um, she was thinking, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be Madonna. And I'm saying, and in my mind, I was like, well, what if it's not Madonna? We have to keep our, we have to keep our, our, um, a net wider just to see where God's going to work yeah. and all that. So it's kind of funny, the play that goes back and forth with it as, as a couple together in that situation. Wow. And that was before having kids at this, you know, yes. you know, yeah. yeah, will and yeah. Awesome. Right. Right. And so, yeah. So tell us about how Patrick and Taylor came into your home. Yeah. So I think, um, the, the story before that is when we had passed the DCS classes and we were foster parents, we, we weren't sure necessarily that we were doing that to adopt. Um, we, we were still thinking, do we want to go down the biological route and, or would God really, um, have us go sure. down by uh, mm-hmm. adoption? And so, um, we didn't go into it with those with that mindset necessarily. Although, although maybe Katie will you know say we're we're going after Madonna. <laughs> so, um, but we passed the classes, and our first placement was actually um, something where we needed a life preserver because we had three girls, um, wow. a teenager who was I guess fifteen. Fifteen. She'll remember wow. the ages, and you know, twelve and ten ish, wow. and the fifteen year old also had a six month old baby. So here we are. We've she, never. She been. was three months old. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this was the the first the first, the first placement. placement. Yeah, sink or swim. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Never been parents, and so we kind of looked at each other and said, "Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. what did we get ourselves into here?" Um, and so that that was um, a period of four months initially, and um, through that process, uh, eventually, you know, most of the time. Uh, through foster care, children will go back to a relative or, or blood family member. And, and so ultimately, you know, they moved on from us. And um, it was really a tough time because through that, you know, Katie had also, we, it, it just takes so much time and care to love on these kids. And we said, if we want to do it right, we want to do it right. Um, and so eventually we'll kind of circle back to this later on, but, but, but we made the decision as a family for, for Katie to stop working. And, and it was shortly after that, that the kids had moved, those four children had moved on. And mm-hmm. so, um, there was a period there where our house was empty mm-hmm. and then we got the call one day for, um, Patrick and Taylor and, yeah. and they were siblings. And so and how we old said, were yes. they at the time? Um, Patrick was eight and Taylor was five. It was October 9th of 2013. Wow. Okay. She's not good with dates. <laughs> I know. That's incredible. That's our big day at yeah. our house. So they came into your, your home mm-hmm. and they were in that foster situation. And then what happened next? So they were with us. Um, it was their first time in DCS care. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, they were with us for a year and a half or so until their situation changed um, and moved towards an adoptive placement with us. Wow. Yeah. And the official adoption date? Is May 29th, <laughs> 2015. Got it. So uh, two years after the placement mm-hmm. was yeah. kind of the roughly mm-hmm. was yeah. the official adoption that's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And just a couple of months after Will was born too. So yeah. and there's a sweet story and all that because um when the kids it, it became clear that Patrick and Taylor, we were going to be able to adopt them and they were looking forward to that. But they also knew Will was coming. 
and um, they were we you know in, in our minds we were wondering how are they going to feel about Will? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there going to be a little bit of jealousy? But um, they were just so excited, and they said, "No, we want him born first. We want him at." At our official adoption time, so it was wow. it was especially sweet because it was also sweet. two days after my birthday and um, after after Will was here. So there was just so many wonderful elements, and they just they've continued just to love on him so well. I mean, bigger than bigger and better than any way I could have ever imagined. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys have gone through so many specific things with your story to get to where you are today. So along that process, along the journey that the Lord has led you on, um, are there some things that you you maybe wish you would have known along the way? Um, I think, first of all, speaking specifically to foster care, there's just um, lots of details and obligations with appointments. Mm-hmm. Um for doctors and dentists and counseling and court and DCS. So just preparing, you know, your, your mind for it. Yes, it is. Um, And you want to do it well because Mm -hmm. many of these children haven't had a lot of those pieces of care. So they're behind and uh, maybe it's been three years since they've been to the dentist or things like that. So that's a good point because this is when you talk about foster care mm-hmm. adoption, it's an all in. Mm-hmm. It's like we we may feel this right, and we have a heart towards this, but it's a that next level is a we're jump like you said, it's putting on our life preservers. We're mm-hmm. we're like in in it now. So I, I think that's a good point for you to bring up. Um, I think also for us. Um, no matter how traumatic the situation they've come from, there's still an element that it's all they've ever known. And so they long to go Mm. home in a way. Mm. Um, Yet for us, another piece was, um, I remember the first full day, Patrick asked, can I clean out y'all's garage? And I said, sure, if that's what you want to do. And he was so proud. He had lined everything up and he wanted to show us. And he asked after, can I stay a while? Um, Mm -hmm. So there was that very um, quick comfort, I think, for both of them, that there was stability Mm -hmm. and routine and that equaled safety. Mm -hmm. So in that way, they were eager to stay. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, just from a, a tactical standpoint, um, everybody knows that DCS is is over overwhelmed right, and, yeah. and understaffed, and and it's just you have to really be prepared for how slow the process can be, and how frustrating certain elements can be. And so, I think just going in knowing, like, okay, the court date's supposed to happen here, but X Y Z didn't happen, and um, things get pushed out, and and the, the timing is certainly way out of your control, and is. As, as something as you'd like to control, it's out of your hands and some things just don't make sense. So I think just going in with eyes wide open um, through that process will help set expectations that um, as low as they might be, they, they, they still might be broken. Yeah, and yeah, so you just have to mentally prepare yeah. yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and then also on Katie's point, as much as, as Patrick wanted to stay on that day one, there are certain times along the way, and it's probably more paramount sometimes with with Taylor when because she was younger and and just would want to go home and hey I want to be with with my birth mom and so forth and um and and so you there there is just this natural god-given which is which is how it should be for the the bias and tendency to want to go home with with birth mom and dad and um you know in the flesh we're thinking of okay that's 
that's not a good situation right now. Mom and dad aren't healthy. And so it's tough to see the child who's in your home at that time desire that so much, even though you're like, why wouldn't you want to just be comfortable and be happy here right now? And so yeah. there's that tug of war that goes on inside the fleshly body then too. Yeah. I think that, you know, you're already you know, touched on some of the challenges too. And as you received um, Patrick and, and uh, Taylor, you know, 2013 and then 2000 or 2015 May officially adoption. Um, they'd already been in your home for two years. And then, then it kind of, you knew this is a lifetime uh, with them. And so what were the challenges kind of you faced along the way? It could date pre adoption up till even now, mm-hmm. you know, you got, you know, now you have uh, teenagers mm-hmm. in your home and, um, uh, and then Will is six now. Will six. So you have, you know, Will is um, obviously biological, but then you have Taylor and Patrick, which are now teenagers, middle schooler and a high schooler. So what are those challenges that you guys kind of faced um, years ago and even up to today? Um, I guess first I would speak to, you know, Patrick was eight when they came home to our house and He was used to taking care of him and Taylor and making his own decisions. So things would come up like he would disappear to the neighbors to play. Totally fine, but he just had never had to check in. Mm. Um, So we had to kind of try to reset some boundaries. And I would say maybe even now into teenagehood, we're still working on those boundaries between him moving towards being an adult and, um, and then having those first eight years where he did care so much for himself. It's making the teenage years a little extra interesting with, with those natural inclinations to fly and, and spread his wings. Right. Yeah. And there is an element and, 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 terms of a lot of foster children have this mentality of fight or flight that we hear about. And so when a situation arises that can create some friction, a child oftentimes will either just fight uh, real hard and can be very argumentative and um, it's just a real challenging situation, or they just can flight and literally, you know, want to shut down, close off, literally sometimes leave the house. Um, so you have to, you know, every teenager will, will go through these challenges, right? When they're, you know, they, they feel like they're being contained or withheld, but, um, that I think that has just escalated in that mentality because I think back to, again, you know, in their situation, they had to fend for themselves many times and had to take care of themselves. So, um, it's just something that, that, that is, um, again, as, as adoptive parents that we're a lot more aware of and trying to de-escalate situations and not let things get there and taking timeouts early on. We've learned the the valuable lesson many times over of, of how important it is to cut something short before something escalates because mm-hmm. um, they're, they tend to, to, you know, get more emotional um, than perhaps a, a child who, who hasn't been through the adoptive and foster care system. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you're parenting three different stages right now. Like you said, with a six-year-old, with a 13 and 16 now, there's a lot of learning along the way there. And, and we know that no matter what our family looks like, our, our marriages can get str- stronger right. or weaker sometimes, um, based on those parenting things. And we, we want to always keep our, our marriages strong. Um, what and I love seeing that in you guys. What is something that you have learned throughout this parenting process about each other and about your marriage along the way? 
Um, I think first of all, um, it was really the first time probably in our marriage that it was challenged, um, and tested in a big way. Um, there just could have been lots of opportunities for division and friction. And, um, so just keeping in mind, I think that triangle with the Lord where we're each pursuing him Mm -hmm. and then together we're coming closer together. That is something we learned, I guess, in premarital counseling probably. Mm -hmm. And, um, Dave was really good to just keep, he still comes back to that. Um, but especially in the more challenging seasons to remind us we're both pursuing the Lord individually and together. And so he's our rock, he's our connection and foundation. And, um, that helped us avoid a lot of easy pitfalls, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. I think, and Jeff talks about that all the time. Your relationship with the Lord is, is just critical and paramount to anything. And then right after that, it's, it is a marriage. And a lot of time people want to make, make the kids the center and Mm -hmm. put the attention on them. But it is so important for us to be on the same page, to pray every night together and realize also, you know, God has given these all three children to us as a special gift and he's put them there for a reason. And there's only, you know, so much we can do. The rest is in God's hands. And so on the challenging nights, especially, you know, you, that's that's really the essence of the question is you have to realize God has put him here for a reason. He's equipped us the best we can. We are doing the best we can, and we can't let the world or anyone else tell us that you know our shortcomings are a failure and to drag us down because that's the enemy trying to nick at you. But if you're if you're keeping your marriage strong and we are really on the same page about how we are parenting, how we are disciplining, how we are loving, um, I think that 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 carries huge value. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I learned about my marriage is just that was the first time I got to see Katie as a mom. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool, right? I got yeah. to see all these other aspects of her. I got to see her be kind of a big brother, uh, big sister to her her younger brother. And it was just awesome to see her and just, you know, made me fall that much more in love with her, mm-hmm. seeing how um, nurturing she was and the hospitality that is just her God-given gift. We know for sure now um, how how much she just takes care of Patrick and Taylor and and cooks and takes care of all their basic needs. And it's, it's just amazing to see. So it had, it's really drawn me closer in that regard. So, um, it's been, it's been a sweet time to kind of go through that. And I, and I got to learn a lot through Dave because he is really great at connection and just watching him be a fun dad with the kids a hundred percent from the moment he would walk in the door from work and just embrace them like he'd always known them, um, like they had always been a part of our family. Um, that was super fun because I can tend to go more on the side of like provision and list making. And and this was um, a time in my life where God really um, challenged and broke down a lot of, of control tendencies um, that I tend to fall back on. Um, and, um, I really had to surrender myself to his sovereignty Mm -hmm. because it's all I could do. I didn't have another choice. Mm -hmm. Um, so he kind of backed me into a corner, um, to, to work with me on that. And, and that also was so amazing once we stepped into Will being born and his extra needs and and things that the Lord knew were coming yeah. that he and I needed to work on before we got there. So yeah. 
And something you guys just did, I don't know if you realize you did it, but um, I think it would marriage 101 if we're lessons and it's not a marriage podcast, but we are talking about marriage and you guys do it so well is that you spent just a minute bragging on each other. And mm-hmm. I think that was really important that to, to let yep. our listeners hear and for us, um, even in our marriages. So um, thank you for that. And so speaking of God, you spoke a lot about God in this process. He's obviously writing your stories. And, um, and he has a much bigger story for us than we can ever imagine. Um, what have you learned about God in this process? So much. This yeah. is maybe our favorite part um, because he, mm-hmm. he just worked in both of us a lot during this time. Um, he is good all the time. He's faithful. And um, something again, with surrendering to his best ways that we noticed um, and really has been an anchor for our faith is he loves them way more than both of us combined. They're Mm -hmm. his. And so that makes it a lot easier when we have that mindset to trust him um, with them Mm -hmm. and to trust him with our family as a whole um, and where he's moving us. So I think that's been big for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think about um, it is about his timing and it just doesn't make sense to us. And I think about a tough decision that we made for our family as a dual income family at the time. And we we looked at each other and said, look, if if we're going to do this right for for the foster care part during during that season – we one of us has to quit our job because we just we just can't keep going at this level. And so, you know, for me financially, that was always a little bit harder to let go of, because um, everything that Katie made was gravy, right? And and so, in that sense, she gave we let the job go, and it was very shortly after that 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 the four girls who were our first placement left, and we were thinking, what did, did we not hear the Lord right? Like, what is going on now? We have an empty house. Um, my wife just left her job and and we're just feeling empty and sad emotionally. But God was really just preparing it because it was going to amp back up in two months when Patrick and Taylor came and there was going to be all sorts of love and attention need to be done there. And so we realized um, that, that there was just a bigger plan that we couldn't see at that time. And we're reflecting that was the best decision we could have made. So it is it is really about his timing. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. And I love that y'all have intentionally gone back and looked at how he's writing your story and and that he is good throughout that whole process, even those even in those moments that seemed you seemed unsure or that you weren't know you didn't know what the next step was. You knew that he was working it out for good. And I, I love that. Um, you know, before you went into this fostering and into adoption, um, part of your story, are there are there pieces of advice? Are there are there nuggets of wisdom that were shared with you that helped you along the way? Yes. I'm going to give Catherine Martha Doll a little hey, shout out here. Um, she and Luke really took the approach of say yes, say yes to the Lord, like where your servants were here, and then allow him to open and close doors after that. Um so just be a willing servant. And that spoke a lot to us. And that was kind of as we embarked on the journey, that's pretty much why we ended up with the four girls in the beginning. Um, and they were definitely alongside us for that journey. Um, and then also remembering, um, this is also something Catherine shared with me, um, that 
just have the viewpoint, remember they are truly God's kids and he's just letting you take care of them for a season or for their entire earthly life, but they're his on loan. Um, and so that even, that was such a great thing to learn with Patrick and Taylor again, for when Will was born, extra needs, a lot of uncertainty, just to remember that they're his, he's got them and he's partnering with us to shepherd and raise them. Mm-hmm. Katie can attest that I don't have the greatest memory uh, <laughs> on some things, but there is um, something that a, a, a good friend of mine, Derek, said to me once uh, on, on a really tough day. And it was, a, it was the day that, that, that the, the, the initial four girls went and, and left our house. And again, we we're in that situation where, where Katie had just left her job. And um, I remember just feeling really empty and, and just my heart was really heavy. And, and he just texted me a line and said, listen, um, you know, just remember, it's not about you, it's God's kids, but God's going to look at this and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. And I remember that line to this day. You know, I don't remember many texts, but I I hang on to that of of that time. And and it's just God called us to do that for that season right then. Mm -hmm. And so I do carry that forward on on the tougher days, because there's obviously still tougher days with with the three kids at home when, when you're like, what are we, what's going on here? Are we making the right decisions with some of these things? And God just wants our heart there and, and he wants us to surrender to him. And I think of, okay, you know, mm. uh, I, I can just see daddy God saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're, you're just being obedient here and there's going to be tough seasons, but stick with it. You're there in your home for a reason. Mm-hmm. I love that. No, oh, I have one more, um, just fun piece of advice that we were given and it's called a yes jar. So you basically make a jar of stuff you, you would never say no to. Um, so it could be healthy snacks and stickers and a piece of gum, um, anything. There are blogs on this. Um, and that way when these children who have been told no a lot, um, and who have not had a lot come to you and they're wanting something, they learn that they can always have something in that jar. It could be five minutes before dinner or eight o'clock at night, but um, it's just a fun way to be able to affirm them and say yes, Mm -hmm. because there are so many no's as parents in general, you know? Yeah. I love so that. That's really I need to good. make a yes jar. Yeah. I too. For myself. Right? For myself. I know. Every you time I walk in my office, of there's a yes jar. Snicker bars. <laughs> <laughs> the king size. <laughs> king size. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, as you're talking about um, our kids are out on loan that God has given us, it, it takes me back to the story of Hannah and Hannah prayed and prayed and prayed and mm-hmm. she couldn't have kids and finally God gave her what she asked for and her immediate response was to take, take Samuel to the temple and, uh, and say, and, and she prayed, God, I prayed for this, for this child. And now I give him back to you. And I think for any parent, any situation, um, that there, we, if we have kids that we're parenting, that's really our role yeah. is to say, God, we prayed for this. You've given this to us. So we give this child back to you and you do whatever you, however you, choose to write their story. We just want to be obedient in this process. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not going to look the same as what we would write, mm-hmm. right? And so he's writing his own special story for them. And uh, and I'm just so grateful for faithful parents like you, mm-hmm. and obedient parents who are saying yes along the way and stepping into uncertainty because it, it really was uh, an uncertain situation. So um, finally, 
what will you tell people who are just looking to jump into foster care or adoption? Yeah, I say, you know, once you make that decision, it's going to be the toughest job you'll ever love. And I think maybe that's a Peace Corps knockoff, if, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> but it truly is. But I I try to think of the situation of the children who um, have mom or dad, and mom and dad have, have messed up, made made unwise choices that have put in a position where, where their child has had to go into the, the, the system. And choices out of their control, even, yeah. for the kids. Yeah, it's, it's, the child doesn't have any control of that. And so... Um, I think if I were that child and my, my mom or dad were in that position, then I'd want to be loved by somebody. And so I take it from the lens of, hey, you know, uh, you're opening up your home to a child who didn't make that decision is there and just needs to be loved on so well. And, and that's the easiest thing that can be done um, is just to love well. And that's ultimately, right, what, the, the, what Jesus said, you know, the biggest commandment is just to love. And so I think it is just so paramount that um, it's not about the stuff or the or, or all the things. I mean, obviously, you've got some basic essentials that you've got to provide um, the children that you're adopting. But um, doing that love is is something that you've you, you, you've got to just do really well. And that makes all the difference in a world to that child. Yeah. Something else super important for the adoption process with us, and I really think with anyone, is having a village. Mm -hmm. So we had an amazing village with family and church and neighbors that stepped in with meals and clothing and childcare and advice because we were brand new parents, um, you know, to preteens the first time around. Um, but I, I would just say and, and urge anyone considering adoption to find your community, yeah. find your church, and be plugged in before you set off on that journey because it just makes all the difference to have people surrounding you, supporting you. Um, we truly believe not everyone is called to adopt, but that the Bible mandates everyone is called to care for widows and orphans yeah. in some way and be part of that journey some way. Mm -hmm. um, so That's so good. Yeah, I think the way we've seen that manifest is when Patrick and Taylor were in that limbo, we weren't sure if they were going to stay or not. They just got plugged into Main Street and hit the ground running and loved it. And it's been an important part of the faith journey. And and as we've seen them grow up over time, um, there's been other adult leaders speaking into our children about, yeah, you know, mom and dad are right about that. You're, you, you know, you need to really listen to what they're saying. And it's it's important for, um, I think any in any in any quote unquote normal family to have kids speak into your home but it's especially important for adoptive uh, situations so that they can hear from multiple voices okay um this is the right path and and so having that around and then also having people who are a step ahead of us mm -hmm. in the church to see what that looks like and ask for advice and on the tough on the tough days to to have them encourage and inspire us um, those are all really critical elements of the church that that is so important in the foundation of, of raising a child when you're going through the adoption process and after adopting them. Yeah, that's great. Um, and Main Street, for those who don't know, is our kids' ministry. Mm -hmm. And so they were a part of our kids' ministry when they first got here, um, or you guys, they were eight and um, six. And um, right, eight and six? Eight and five. five. Eight but yeah, five, they both were in Main Street. Yeah, both were Main Street. And to have those other voices, there's a uh, you guys may have heard us say this before that there's a book called Sticky Faith written by Kara Powell. And, uh, and she, you know, what is it about um, 
about faith that's so sticky and will will help the next generation stick around after they graduate? Like, what are those? And what she says, a part of what develops a sticky faith is having a sticky web. Five other adult leaders in their in their adults in their lives that are helping them on their spiritual journey. Uh, adults that know them, and, and I think. Um, for our kids and yours, mm-hmm. is that there are adults in their lives outside of us that know them, that know their story, and then that support and encourage them. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah, and it's like yeah. you said, it it does take a village. It takes community and to lean into that, and for to empower all of us that maybe don't have a family that looks like your neighbor's family, but we're all a part of the story. Whether we are the parent or the next door neighbor that's bringing over a meal, or we're the small group leader at the church, um, we all get to be a part of what God is doing. Um, Thank you guys so much for sharing. This has just been such an incredible time to learn from you and to hear your story and how God is working in your life and the lives of your children, your incredible kids. Um, We're so grateful for you guys. Thank you for being with us. Thanks. Thanks.